The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less. Speaking of spending less, today in place of the Clark Rageous moment, I've got some bargains for you. We're going to do a sizzling deal in just 20 minutes. We're also devoted to keeping you from getting ripped off. And later this hour, we're going to talk about who's tracking you. I've got some stuff for you to know about ways that you are getting tracked even as you walk around in your leisure time. Some pretty stunning stuff about how your phone is a gateway to you being spied on everywhere you go. Right now, I want to talk about something that when I mentioned this before about lab-produced meat, and I talked about growing uh, produce in warehouses, wow, did it draw some strong reaction. So I bet I'm going to fire people up again by talking about something you may not have heard about, but yesterday there is a group that introduced chicken that is grown from self-reproducing cells. So no chicken coops, no chicken processing plants, anything like that. And supposedly people who in the media that were brought in to taste test these say, well, it's like everything else that people can't describe. Tastes like chicken. But anyway, this idea that we are going to be able to increase the food supply and decrease the use of water in agriculture, which is a huge issue, not just here in the United States, but also around the world, that we are going to have new ways of producing food of all types that are going to be far friendlier to our wallets eventually, And they are going to allow land to go back into general supply that right now may be used for vast swaths of territory for agriculture. It is something that is controversial. It is referred to as clean meat production, not the vegetables, not the the produce, but uh, creating meat in a lab creating chicken in a lab, anything like that. And, you know, chicken is by far the dominant meat product in the United States. Would you call it meat? Protein, I guess, people would refer to it as. And it is a huge part of the diet. There have always been issues with uh, what's involved with raising chickens, the, the threat to the water supply, not just the use of water, but actually the cleanliness of water, the runoff from chicken farms. Uh, I think you know what I mean. Anyway, right now, though, the cost is outrageous. It is $9,000 a pound in the process so far 
but that is just because this is early experimental. Very quickly, these alternatives will end up being cost-efficient and maybe even, before you turn around, cheaper than the way we produce food today of various types. And I know that is freaky, but all I ask you to do is remember that anything you need to know about life, all you need to do is watch the Jetsons cartoon from the 1960s. Because the people who did that were so forward-thinking. And if you remember, they used to be able to manufacture food instantly in the machine. they just go say, ah, cooking is so exhausting. And they just go and they push some buttons, and the computer would generate the food. This is not quite that, but remember they had the, the flat-screen television idea in the 1960s. People that watched the original Star Trek television series, well, they saw that kind of stuff too. And this is something I don't think was in any of those shows. 3D replacement knees. This is really fantastic. I read a story in the Indianapolis Star about how knee replacements, which can be very difficult. One of my brothers had a knee replacement, and it was a very uncomfortable, painful process for him. The knee for a long time was not quite right. And today, what doctors are able to do is they're able, using 3D technology, 3D printer technology, able to make a knee replacement that is a perfect one for your exact knee. And not necessarily for your knees. If you need a left knee, do a perfect one for the left knee. If you need your right knee replaced, a perfect one for it that is down to the nth detail exact for you. And this is fantastic because it eliminates the pain issue. You know, uh, somewhere probably about one in four people have a terrible problem with pain from having a knee replacement and being able to make one custom is not just part of the future where the chicken I was talking about got a ways to go. I'm not buying $9,000 pound chicken, but the knee replacements are being used in large numbers and overwhelmingly patients are candidates for the 3D printed knees. Now, the punchline also is creating medical parts using 3D printing customized for an individual. It's generally a cheaper way to provide what's needed by the patient than the traditional way with devices that are more designed as one-size-fits-all. It is a true scientific and medical breakthrough. Our web address, Clark.com. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Amy has a question for me. Hello, Amy. How are you? Good, Clark. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. How may I serve you, Amy? Well, I wanted to tell you about a letter that I got in the mail um, from my insurance company. They were involved in a security breach two years ago. 
And I just got the letter that they are offering to freeze the credit of my two children. And they didn't offer to, to freeze the credit for my husband and me, but they did offer to freeze the credit for the children, and they would pay for the freeze. But I thought it was just kind of fishy because it's asking for copies of the kids' Social Security cards. It asks for copies of their birth certificate. And then you have to fill out a form and mail all this in. So it just sounded a little fishy, so I thought I would run it by you. Okay, so this is one I can't even tell you how many people have called inquiring about this. And this is because of a large data breach. Go ahead and name who your health insurer is. It it was Anthem. Okay. Anthem. Was it Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield or just Anthem? They just have it listed as Anthem Incorporated. All right. So Anthem had this large-scale breach with a lot of information that the criminals were able to obtain. And Mm -hmm. for adults... If my memory's right, when this first became public, they offered you the ability to do the credit monitoring thing, which I think is a joke anyway. But that's standard operating procedure to always offer that. What's unusual in the case of a medical provider suffering a breach is that kids are as likely to be exposed as adults. Well, there mm-hmm. is no procedure to monitor the credit of a kid because kids usually don't have credit. So what is an option is to do a credit freeze for a child. And what the bureaus do is they create a blank file for your two children. And then once that file is created and that record is created, then they freeze it so that if anybody does attempt to apply for credit under your child's Social Security number, they're shut down from doing it. So the reason you have to provide the kind of documentation you do for a child doing a credit freeze is that since they don't likely exist in the credit system, in the credit uh, bureau system, they need that documentation to establish this really is a person, this is who that person is, and so they need the source documents to make that happen. That's why you're asked for such intrusive information about your children. Okay. How old are so your it's kids? All legit. Um, the, let's see. One is 17 and one is 13. I definitely would not freeze it for the 17-year-old. The 17-year-old is likely to attend college. Yes, she will. So I would not do that for her because of the issue of is she might be applying for financial aid or whatever, her credit will need to be open and available to check. Okay, that's good to know. For the 13-year-old, I think there's a big advantage doing the credit freeze. Okay. But did you think it was weird that they didn't offer to do a credit freeze for the adults, the ones who were paying for the policy? Well, again, my memory is that you were offered prior the opportunity for credit monitoring, Mm-hmm. And so that's what they from, offer to adults, and to kids they're yeah. offering the credit freeze. Okay. And it's because well, I think because I'll what I said earlier, the freeze. kids, you can't do a monitoring on a kid since hopefully they don't have active credit. 
Correct. So that's why the difference, I wish that when there was a breach, instead they offered the adults the same thing they're offering your 13-year-old, Amy, is the ability to do a credit freeze, because that's the best thing to do when your information is breached and leaks. Julie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Julie, you want to talk about target retirement funds, is that right? That's right. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. It's my pleasure to have you here. Um, I was starting to do some research. Um, This year, my husband and I thought we could open uh, our first Roth IRA. Um, And so far, we have invested um, for retirement through uh, employer 401ks with low-cost investment firms that they had. Um, And as I was researching for um, looking for Roth IRA investments through some low-cost firms, um, I came across target date index fund offerings, um, which we usually have had mutual fund target date uh, investments. And I was curious what you thought about target date index funds. That is an absolutely fine thing to do. What they do is they make a a mix of ultra-low-cost index funds and put them in a, a basket of choices that they would feel is appropriate for your uh, for your age. So the advantage of it is that the expense ratio is so much lower. And you're looking at Charles Schwab, right? Correct. That's where I found these. So at Schwab, if you go into their traditional target retirement fund, you'll pay somewhere typically around half a percent to as much as three quarters of a percent. If you go in their target index fund choice, you pay almost nothing. It's 0.13%. Correct. That's what I saw with the date that we were looking at. So what you're trying to accomplish, I would much rather see you go into the target index fund than the target fund. Okay. That was my question. I was curious because I know that when I looked at the prospectus, there, of course, wasn't much history on the index fund uh, for target date. Right, because it's a newer kind of concept, but over time, having your money diversified and being in the lowest cost possible is the best way for you to get as much of your money growing for you instead of fattening the the pockets of whatever financial house you're investing with. Normally at this time on the Clark Howard Show, you'd be hearing a clark Rageous moment, but today I want to talk sizzling deals there are a couple of electronic deals that are really great one is a laptop special today that is at the kind of price that you would only find around black friday it's a lenovo laptop full-size 15.6 inch screen has a one terabyte hard drive in it which if you're not familiar that is a massive amount of data storage available on it and today it is $199 from a retailer known as Micro Center. So if you go to microcenter.com hopefully you will have a Micro Center store somewhere near you. You can order it online for pickup at the store but it's really an example of the kind of price point you should be looking for right now on a laptop and there is a cell phone deal today 
from Amazon.com and also from B&H Photo. And by the way, if you buy from B&H Photo in most places in the country, you get free shipping, no sales tax, which would give it an advantage over buying the cell phone from Amazon. It is a Moto G Plus, which is a big screen smartphone for Android. It works on Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, any pretty much any cell carrier you would like to use. You can use this phone. It is a highly capable smartphone for $250. I have full details with hyperlinks on both the laptop deal and the smartphone from Motorola at ClarkDeals.com. Just some of the kind of bargains I try to bring your way each and every day on ClarkDeals.com. Okay, here are some really surprising car facts for you. In Churchill, Canada, residents leave their cars unlocked. That's in case someone needs to escape a polar bear. It's true. And in Sweden, drivers are required by law to keep their headlights on at all times. Day, night, rain, sunshine, doesn't matter. And now, here's another interesting and actually helpful thing about cars that you might not know. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for new cars. Their certified dealer network also has an inventory of over 700,000 pre-owned cars nationwide. So whether you're looking for a new or used car, you can get real pricing on actual inventory and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. Oh yeah, here's another fun fact. TrueCar customers can see if they're getting a good or great price before they buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with their TrueCar certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy that car, new or used, visit TrueCar and enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. But there's more. You know you can get your questions answered for free off the air nine hours every weekday, except during holidays, because you can speak with a member of Team Clark and get your question answered, get your gripe aired, try to know how to solve a problem you have. And this is something we've been doing since February of 1993, offering free off-the-air advice. You can see at Clark.com, if you move uh, most of the way down the front screen, you'll see how to get off-the-air advice. And it's something that I am so glad that we have available to serve you. When you are shopping now, there's a lot of desire from retailers to track everything you're doing. And the nation's largest supermarket, actually the second largest supermarket chain, the Kroger Company, is rolling out a technology where if you choose to participate with their Kroger Plus card, they own a, a number of supermarket brands, but so whichever one is where you shop may well be owned by Kroger and you have a card like the Kroger Plus. And if you choose to participate with this, tie it in with your smartphone, they're able, as you walk down an aisle, knowing what you bought, to be able to do suggestive selling 
and offer individualized bargains as you walk down an aisle with your shopping cart. And it's something that is only in a relative handful of stores as they refine it, but it is one of those things that could be, to some people, a creep out, and to others it's like, wow, personalized, individual shopper with me. Essentially artificial intelligence shopping along with you, offering you custom deals and helping you get through your shopping. I mean, you could take that and you could paint it as the most sinister, intrusive, invasive thing or look at it, wow, this is making my life easier. And what I love about what they're doing is it's your choice whether they're going to track you and provide the uh, suggestive selling or assistance, whatever you want to call it, as you wander through a store. And there are many things like this going on. Mall owners trying to figure out some way to survive are offering to their tenants at some malls the ability to, if you choose to allow yourself to be tracked, for you to be tracked every step you take, and then individual mall merchants will be able to offer you deals on your smartphone as you walk. And as you're strolling through and you walk by a store, that store may at that instant give you a deal to try to get you to go in their doors instead of strolling past. You're going to see so much of this go on. I talked last year about some of the really creepy stuff going on where artificial intelligence is being used to follow your eyes as you walk through a store and figure out how to sell to you individually, individually better based on what they learn from your eyes. So again, as long as these things are your choice, as long as they're voluntary, and as long as you feel like you're getting something from it that makes it worth doing, then fine. And by the way, you may have heard all these rumors concerning Facebook that supposedly law enforcement was using Facebook and going into specific individuals' Facebook pages to try to figure out what you're up to. And Facebook says, absolutely not. Police are not able to monitor your activities through spying on you through your Facebook page. And this kind of stuff will continue to be a concern. The issue of the intrusion into your life and Part of it is what you choose to do. You know, there have always been people who've been afraid of any kind of technology and any kind of tracking. And I want to mention something I've not mentioned in probably six weeks. And that is when you are on the internet, you can choose to not have your activities tracked while you're on the internet. Each browser has the ability for you to go private. Sometimes it's called private browsing. 
in the case of the most popular browser, the Chrome browser, they call it incognito window. And so when you are there surfing, your movements are not going to be tracked. And by the way, when you're shopping for something, many times if you're looking for the best price, it's a good idea to shop where you're known and then do the same exact search in an incognito window or a private browsing session and you may, in fact, be offered a different price, a lower price, and you never know which way would potentially generate that lower price. Paula is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Paula, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Howard. How are you? <laughs> Great. And how can I serve you, Paula? Okay, I am I'm curious about this radon testing, that when yeah. you sell your house, they make you have get the house radon tested, and then it, it registers high, and you have to have this equipment put in your house. Um, now, if radon is that bad for the health of all the everybody, like in Gwinnett, I was in Gwinnett County, um, and then I moved to Ohio, and they did the same thing. Why isn't it that out there and everybody having to put this in their house? Well, because radon testing is still something that there is disagreement in the scientific community about as to whether or not radon gas is truly harmful or not. And the allegation is that it is, in fact, something that will potentially cause cancer. Right. And so that's why, because of the potential fear that it could cause cancer, that's where the radon testing has been an issue in so many places in the United States. Now, I twice have, in selling properties, have failed radon tests and then had to hire a company to mitigate the radon. And, you know, once the seller, once the buyer requires that as part of an inspection, either the whole deal dies and you don't sell your property or you take care of the radon. And the reality is the only choice at that point is to take care of the radon. Because if you don't, it's something you're going to have to disclose going forward, and it might kill the next deal simply by the fact that you have a radon problem. Mm -hmm. So I am not qualified to tell you that radon is, in fact, uh, very dangerous. The EPA has a briefing on radon, and... There, I want to read the headline from their page. Have you been to their page? No, I haven't. As I said, I was trying to find stuff on the internet about it, just because I'm curious why, if it's so harmful, why isn't everybody having their house tested and everybody else? Because there's disagreement about how harmful it is. The EPA says radon is a health hazard with a simple solution, period. And they have a map where you see how prevalent radon is in different parts of the United States. So you can click on the map and see how likely it is to be an issue when you go to buy or go to sell a home. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, their I guide, some, yeah, their guide like if you go look at this at mm-hmm. epa.gov slash radon, okay. I think they do a, a decent job trying to go down the middle here and just putting the information out there 
as to what you need to know as a buyer or a seller and how you would actually deal with a radon gas problem in your home. Okay. So it's epa.radon? No, epa.gov. .gov. Slash radon. Slash radon. Okay. And again, it's very... uh, Remember, there's a government agency, and they did a great job explaining it all in perfectly understandable English. Okay. Okay. That's what I was curious about. And it's not cheap when you end up in a situation where you fail a radon test as a seller and you have to mitigate it, but it's just a cost of doing business selling a property because if the buyer's going to walk, you fix the problem. Kelly's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kelly. How are you? Hi, Clark. I'm great. How are you? I am having a wonderful day. Thank you. What's going on, Kelly? Um, Well, my husband and I are finally getting around to setting up a will and living trust and special needs trust. We have two special needs kids, so actually young adults, and we have no idea how much to put into a special needs trust for them. Well, the amount of money potentially to set aside could be quite large, and if they are young adults... um, Gosh, I don't know the sensitive way to ask this question, so I'm just going to need to ask it's, you something. Okay. I know what you're going to say. They're, they don't. They have potential to live to be a hundred years old. Okay. How did you so know that was what I was going to ask? Because our lawyer asked the same thing, so he said, "I don't know how to ask this." So I, <laughs> I, I, I should have just put that in there before you even had to ask. Okay. So, so we need to be prepared that they, you know, could live. You know, All right. Well, a long time. What people normally do is the first thing you do is for each of the kids, you establish a 529 ABLE. If you're familiar with 529 ABLEs, if you saw a lawyer, uh, that was probably explained to you? Um, don't, I don't know. I don't remember. So what, an, what a 529 ABLE is, is it's an account where you're able to put money in for each of the children that grows tax-free and spent on their needs is spent tax-free. Okay. So the first money you put aside for a disabled child should always go into an ABLE. Okay. And they vary in cost uh, because they're sponsored by states. And some states have very, very low-cost ABLEs, and others have more expensive ones. It's almost like a cousin of the 529 college savings plans I'll talk about. Okay. The best briefing available in the country on buying an ABLE is at savingforcollege.com. Okay. And I know this isn't about college, but they've done a very nice job breaking out the, the costs for the ABLE accounts. Okay. So right. uh, some of the best ones in the country are the, if I were to say overall, the best ones in America are probably the ones in Ohio and also in Kentucky. But Kentucky, you must be a resident of the state to have one of their plans. In Ohio, you don't have to be. Okay. Yeah, so we're in your, Northern California. So California does not offer one yet. 
which means you'd have to go in one of these other plans. So if you go there, you'll be able to see. It's a very simple chart. You'll be able to see how the plan works. And I want to congratulate the people at SavingForCollege.com for doing such a nice job on that. But that would allow you to put aside, it didn't answer your question, how much money should you have? Instead, I jumped right to, this is the most efficient place for you to start putting money. As far as how you'd fund an overall need for a lifespan that might be another potentially 70 or 80 years, Mm -hmm. term life insurance is almost certainly the best choice with the money going into a trust for the benefit of each child. Two separate trusts. To go into a a living trust? Um, Well, it would be, if it's going to be for life insurance, the lawyer you've talked to would tell you exactly what kind of trust you want it structured into. Okay. And you have some meaningful expense in drawing up the trust that the life insurance would fund. Okay. But because the, the financial need, if you were to die much younger than normal, and you have a larger number of years that the kids have to be taken care of, you need to have a hefty term life insurance policy. Okay. How is your health? Perfect. (laughs) So if it's perfect, this is a great opportunity. And I hate to ask another impolite question. How old are you? I'm 52. Right, so you would probably look at a 20-year level term policy. Okay. That means that you are guaranteed that policy for the next 20 years and that it would provide a benefit for that time. Now, the question comes, what happens after that time? Right. So that becomes more difficult because the alternative is to buy what's known as a whole life insurance policy that would be what's referred to many times in the insurance business as permanent insurance, but the premiums on it might be cost prohibitive. You can't insure against every possibility, so I don't know if buying a permanent policy would be possible within your budget, but I would say that combination of insurance going into a trust for the benefit of each child, so it would be really two insurance policies, two trusts, potentially, and doing the 529 ABLE would be the right combination that I would recommend. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com, and then producer Joel gives it to me. Yeah, Clark, Joe wrote in, and he wanted to know, do seniors or veterans get special Amazon Prime discounts? They do not, and um, the thing about not giving discounts to military personnel and veterans that is a sore spot for me with any organization not a knock on amazon with anybody because in an era of an all-volunteer military the people who put their lives on the line for our freedom deserve every possible recognition and benefit and amazon are you listening so who does get a good discount are students who if you are a student you get a six-month free trial one time, and then you pay $59 a year for Amazon Prime instead of 99 I guess good to be a student. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. 
When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. It's great that you're here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas to me so that you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in a half hour, I'm going to talk about how the Federal Reserve's interest rate increase actually affects you and your wallet or does it affect you at all i'm going to tell you where it might fatten or shrink your wallet that's in just 30 minutes clark.com is our web address when you're looking for deals clarkdeals.com what is not a deal over and over and over again we get mailers at our house that have envelopes with great urgency on the outside saying important information about your automobile or important notice about your automobile. And they uh, know what kind of car they're writing us about. And so it looks like something coming from the auto manufacturer. But instead, I guess based on public record search, the third-party vehicle extended warranty people, sometimes referred to as vehicle service contract people, are over and over again trying to get us to sign up for their trashy third-party warranties. This one is really funny. This is an example of one of them very much like many others. Immediate response to this notice requested at least it doesn't say required. By the way, that's in bold, big type, more than one place to show what a sense of urgency with a special code on it and what the deadline is. And then it goes on to say, our records indicated that you have not contacted us to have your vehicle service contract updated. How clever is that? Like you're already a customer and you don't remember? And it goes on and on about what will happen. Then in bold type, says, your file will be deleted from our records and you may no longer be eligible for this offer after blah, blah date. This is such junk. It is not even worth the effort to throw it away, but that is what you should do. And I want you to understand that this is a market rife with dishonesty, 
and broken promises. When you buy a third-party vehicle extended warranty from a dealer or from one of these mailers, you never know if these marketing companies are going to exist by the time you would attempt to make a claim. It is an industry that is subject to what is known as bust-out activity, where sleazoids will market extended service contracts or extended warranties on cars and market quite heavily if they're selling through car dealers, offer very large commissions to the car dealers to push their third-party warranty instead of the manufacturer's own. And then once they've collected enough in premiums, but before claims would really get going in a big way, they vanish in the night. That's why they're known as bust-outs. They disappear without a trace. And that warranty coverage you think you bought, you bought nothing. Now, I am neutral on buying car warranties. The math on them, just as lousy as buying those worthless warranties on TVs, various forms of electronics, appliances. The math is compellingly horrendous that you should not buy them. The difference with a car is that even though the math is so awful, a car is in so many lives, so many families, an absolute necessity. Maybe the only way you can get to your job. And you may not be in a position, if the engine or transmission blows, to pay the many thousands of dollars that may be required to get the vehicle back on the road. And that's why you may need to consider, may need to consider buying one. But if you do only look at only consider, only buy one issued by the manufacturer of the brand of vehicle you drive. Because that's all you can trust and depend on that the warranty coverage is actually going to be there and actually pay when the time comes. So with cars... It's important that you understand that when you go to buy a car and while you own a car, there are always going to be people trying to get in your wallet. But there's something I wanted to say to you that I've said in the past, just recently, in fact, involving used cars, that when you look at used cars, you want to stick to vehicles that have a good history of reliability. The number of vehicles that have generally such reliability are so few that Consumer Reports puts out a list. They just updated their most recent one that on that list, there are only 30 cars, if I remember, out of all the makes and models out there. There are only 30 that have shown great reliability. Rather than worrying about how you're going to ensure an unexpected repair, buy vehicles that have shown the test of time to be really reliable. Courtney's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Courtney. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have student loans you want to talk about. 
I do. I do the <laughs> dreaded student loans. How long ago did you graduate? I graduated in 2011. So here you are six years out. Yes. And, and how much in student loan debt do you have right now? I have just over 50000 That's a pretty sobering amount, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And when you're 18 and you're getting these student loans, you don't really think about the future and having to pay them back. So they are dreadful and painful each month. <laughs> so before we go forward with your specific situation, what you want to mm-hmm. ask, what would you sure. say to a 17 or 18-year-old high school senior about selecting a college? So I think college go with one-year gut. When I first started and was thinking about what college I wanted to go to, I really was debating, like, where do I want to go? You know what I mean? Do I want to stay closer to home? Do I, you know, what do I want to do? And for me, it's my heart just led me to go to Georgia State. Um, I absolutely loved it. I wanted to get the feel of the downtown and get encompassed with that. So it wasn't a shock to me when I went into the real world and was like, oh, you know, I, I'm I know about big business and being out in the real world and not being secluded necessarily to a small college town, if you will. But really, it's about you go where your heart leads you. So how do you what would you say to a 17 year old, though, about how much debt they should focus on not taking on? Um, I'd be very thoughtful. If you're going to borrow money, think about the future and having to actually pay it back. That, honestly, that thought just didn't cross my mind. I was 18 and young. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get you know, a job paying lots of money each, you know, have a great salary. And that's not necessarily realistic in the real world. You don't necessarily make the big bucks when you get out. You got to work towards it. And it, it can be a shock when you're having to pay those back. So, um, try to save as much money as you can. Work throughout college. It's okay. You can do it. At one point, I was working two jobs in a sorority, and I managed to get it done. So try not to borrow um, as much. You know, try not to if you can. Um, but if you do, very be very smart about it. Well, you've got this fifty thousand that's that's still staring you down six years out. What are you thinking of doing about it? Um, well, for for me right now, um, I have I had a public loan that I took out, and then then a private. Um, How much do you any, have in government loans? In government, I have a little over, I'd say roughly twenty five. So you're half and half. Half and half. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the I wish you told me they were all federal, but you've got half federal. Oh yes. Because the federal uh, process and payment system is far more favorable to you as a borrower than private. exactly right. You're exactly right. Mm -hmm. So where are you at? What are you thinking of doing now? Well, with my private loan, unfortunately, right now, with the private loan, the public one, I've consolidated all those, um, trying to tackle those the best I can. They're so much easier to work with when you have the government loans. Um, But the private, I've not experienced that at all. Right now, I'm wanting to refinance um, to get out from the company that I'm with. And right now, my mother is a co-signer on this private loan. And my parents have asked me to, if I can, essentially take my mother off as a co-signer and just refinance solely into my name. Your parents are smart. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, I mean, bless them. They have been so wonderful. I mean, to even co-sign on this um, private loan for me was, you know, very generous of them. But now, I mean, it's obviously a debt that's associated to my mother's name. I'm older now, and, you know, they've asked me that, but I graciously would like to try to make every effort to get my mother's name off of it so that that debt is not tacked, you know, on onto them, and they're thinking of retiring, and they're thinking of their future as well. Well, the key to you being able to do that is going to be based on your overall debt levels versus your income and mm-hmm. how you've done as a payer, what your credit score is, what your credit okay. report is like. Mm-hmm. And if your credit situation is very good and your debt level other than these student loans, is non-existent. You have the income to support it. Mm-hmm. You will be able to potentially refi out and get your mom off the obligation. Gotcha. And you're probably getting refi offers. Are you? I am. I am. I, you know, I get, um, and I honestly have not paid very much attention to them as I've been getting them. I, there's one company that sends me letters often, and I just kind of put it to the side. And, well, the um, one that's been most aggressive and mm-hmm. is the one that I don't hear complaints about is SoFi. Okay, okay. That's actually the one I've been getting the letters from. Oh, really? And Yeah, but what I, I did some research and I looked at some reviews and unfortunately I got poor reviews. And so I was like, I don't know what to do now. So that's actually how I ended up writing you. Okay, <laughs> so, well, I, I yeah. think that if... SoFi will take your mom out of the picture and give you a decent rate. And you want to do a fixed rate, by the way. Fixed rate, okay. Because the student loan, the private student loan lenders will try to push you towards variable rates. And, you know, Federal Reserve raising interest rates again today. You don't want to be in a variable rate. You want to be in a fixed rate on those. And when you go into it, you got to be really comfortable that you're going to be able to make the payments because, as you know, there's flexibility with federal loans. There is no flexibility with private student loan lenders. They can be brutal with you. And whatever you need to do every month to make that private student loan payment, whether you stay stuck with who you're with, co-signed with your mom, or you're able to refi, make sure you make that payment every single month on time. Don is with us, and Don, you want to sail the seven seas an unusual way. You want to be living among cargo containers. Is that true? Well, I'm not really interested in the cargo ships, the container ships, the, the huge ones that they have nowadays. What I'm looking for is is the what they used to call tramp steamer. And oh. I'm an inkling that they may not exist any longer. And uh, that's that kind of business has gone to big container ships. and uh, Generally, it has. Um, and by the way, you must be calling us from somewhere way out in the Pacific Ocean because you have the world's worst phone connection right now. Well, I apologize for that. Actually, I'm, I'm in uh, South Central Wisconsin. <laughs> That's funny. Well, they're giving you phone service like you're on the seven seas. So, but you would like to go do that. Now, you know that you've got to have lots of free time to do that, right? Exactly. Because you really don't know when a ship's going to leave. And then the craziest thing is, even though they may be scheduled to go to, let's say, a specific port, 
they may pick up another shipment somewhere else and you go a completely different route. So you've got to be completely and totally footloose and fancy free that you can go anywhere at any time. Right. I'm, I'm retired and I'd be traveling by myself, so I think uh, I fit that uh, part of the bill uh, pretty good. There are people that love doing it. The irony is that it tends to be more expensive than going on a traditional cruise ship. Really? Yeah, it's not necessarily a bargain. It's a unique experience, and that's why people do it. But today, there are so many cruise lines and cruise ships. I mean, you just take the big three, Carnival and all its brands, Royal Caribbean and its brands, and Norwegian and its brands, and I think they've got over 160 cruise ships just among them. Well, and so it's does, extremely price sensitive. Me, Clark, Sorry? That, uh, the thing that doesn't interest me is the uh, maid service and the cabin space and the black tie dinners with the captain. Sure, and- sure. But um, if you want to know more about this, Don, I want you to go to a website called Wiki Travel, W I K I Travel, and it's a .org, not a .com. If you go to wikitravel.org, They have a wonderful briefing on what they classify as freighter travel. And after they brief you on pretty much every facet of it, they have a pretty extensive list of travel agencies that specialize in selling freighter travel. And I think you'll really know what to do next and what to expect if you start at wikitravel.org. And What a fun adventure. Send us pictures from around the world, will you? Hey guys, David Smalley here, reminding you to check out Dogma Debate on the Podcast One app, iTunes, and basically everywhere else you could possibly hear a podcast. Dogma Debate is basically a way for you to peek in on conversations you've always wondered about. Say a hardcore anti-gay preacher meets an atheist who knows the Bible like the back of his hand, or a far-left social justice warrior meets a different kind of liberal who doesn't want to join in on the riots. On Dogma Debate, I talk to people who completely disagree with me, and I let them tell me why they think I'm wrong, why I should be on their team, and why they take such an extreme stance. And sometimes you'll just hear me hanging out with like-minded people and laughing during segments like Republicans Say the Darndest Things or Fact Check Yo Mama. It all happens on Dogma Debate, right here on Podcast One. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address, and when you want a question you want me to answer, you go to Clark.com slash ask. Federal Reserve is widely expected over the last couple of weeks, did go ahead and raise the interest rates it controls today. They have announced that they are intending to raise interest rates two times more this year. Now, each time the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, They raise them typically by a quarter point. And there's esoteric ways that the Federal Reserve goes about raising interest rates, just as in the financial crisis of last decade in the banking scandals, they went through emergency measures to lower interest rates at one point to effectively below zero. 
Today, they are still, interest rates are way below normal. In fact, since the financial crisis, the Federal Reserve, if my memory is right, has only raised interest rates three times. And they're going to raise them, including the time today, three times this year. The goal of the Federal Reserve is over the next year and a half to two years to get interest rates back to historical norms, which would be probably somewhere about another 1.75% above where they are now. So let's talk about what this means to you. Immediately for borrowers of certain types of products, you will feel the pinch in the wallet. And you'll get pinched a little now, a little bit probably uh, just before summer, and a little bit again in the fall, each time again a quarter point higher. Credit card interest rates, if you're running balances on credit cards, the odds are very high that you will see what you pay in interest on credit cards step up automatically every time the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates it controls. If you have a home equity line of credit, you will see those interest rates step up at what will be an equivalent, much higher impact on you than with credit cards. Let me explain. Credit card interest rates, the average credit card interest rate is, depending on which measurement, typically 16 to 17%. So if it goes up from 16%, just for argument's sake, this year to 16 and three quarters percent, it's three quarters of a point, but it's a very little effective additional amount of interest on a ratio. On the other hand, if you have a home equity line of credit at 4% and it goes from 4 to 4 and 3 quarters percent, that is a much bigger impact on you. Mortgages. This is one of the areas that there is great amount of confusion about what happens to mortgage interest rates when the Federal Reserve raises the rates it controls. This is something that I tried to explain the other day. I probably give myself, I would give myself maybe a C- minus on how I explain that. It is a hard concept to explain, but mortgage rates, the move in mortgage rates is only indirectly affected by the Federal Reserve. And depending on how strong the Federal Reserve is about raising the interest rates it controls, if it's perceived in the markets that the Federal Reserve is being very strong in raising interest rates, believe it or not, mortgage rates on mortgages can stay the same or even go down. I say mortgage rates on mortgages. I meant interest rates on mortgages could just as easily stay the same or go down when the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates it controls. On the other hand, if people who would likely lend money longer term are nervous that the Federal Reserve is not being strong enough to contain inflation, that even in the midst of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, the rates on mortgages can go up. It's a very weird thing about how it all plays, but 
the move by the Federal Reserve, which people might assume if the interest rates they control go up a quarter point, that you would see the same quarter point increase in mortgages, it doesn't play that way. And don't fret about that. Now I want to talk about savers. Ever since the banking scandals of last decade, savers have had their clock clean. Savers have been demolished. Savers were used as fodder, basically, to try to bring the economy back to life. And there are any of a number of reasons why savers were ripped off through the process of trying to bring the economy back to life. Now, if you go back in history, when the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates a quarter point, it would almost exactly translate into a quarter point increase in what savers would earn. But the banking system of the country is very different today than it used to be. And we're a world of two banking systems. There are the four big banks that control half of banking in the United States. And they are not interest rate sensitive, meaning that the customers that choose to have savings or CDs with one of the four big banks are not sensitive to interest rates. So the four big banks because you're just going there out of convenience or whatever, the four big banks will not provide you the benefits from the rising interest rates. On the other hand, online banks are extremely sensitive to the interest rates that the Federal Reserve controls, and you will see probably within two weeks an increase and the interest rates you can earn from one of the online banks. So there is a clear advantage to you with the online banks. I'm looking right now the latest numbers from Bankrate, and the best rate you can earn on simple savings from an online bank, 1.25%. A lot of them in that general vicinity in what they're paying right now. And that will do nothing but likely move up over the next couple of weeks, barring some unexpected event in the world. I always have to say that. But at the same time, the giant monster megas are still paying virtually zero, nearly 0.00% on savings you have with them. So if you want to be smart with your money, remember, you want to put your savings first with an online bank. Second, potentially with a credit union. Third, with a small local bank. Never, never, not ever, with a big bank. Cheryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cheryl. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. You have a question that you're like the fourth person to ask me in the last five or six weeks. Yeah, my question is, I heard an advertisement um, on the radio about a real estate company that um, makes the offer that they're willing to give you a fair market price on your home without you fixing it up or doing any repairs, and they either will sell your house in six weeks or less guaranteed, or they will buy it for that market price that they offered you. And honestly, it just seemed too good to be true, so I thought I would check with you. 
So this is happening around the country, which is probably why I'm getting so many people asking as we're moving into the uh, spring selling season for residential real estate. It's a very high interest item right now. So there are local real estate offices, local individual uh, but high-volume sellers, and national offers where they say, we not only will market your house, but if it does not sell, we guarantee that we'll be the purchaser. Mm -hmm. And as for what the purchase period is, most often what I've seen is, you said six weeks for the one you saw? Right, six weeks or less. Most of them I've seen are 12 weeks. Hmm. Because normally, uh, for someone to effectively market your home, they need uh, typically a three-month window. But anyway, if you found somebody who says six weeks, fine. So these come in two types. One is selling distressed real estate. Let's say you're having to sell a house of a loved one who died, and you're the administrator, executor, executrix. That's one kind. The other is where you're selling your own home, you know you're having to relocate somewhere else, or you've already identified the home you want to move to, you need certainty getting your house sold. Mm -hmm. So in that environment, it's not a distressed sale, it's not a house that's falling apart or anything like that, and you're just looking for some some uh, certainty that the sale will go through and you're not going to get stuck with two house payments. So with these things, the key test is the offer they make as to what their fallback price would be. Mm -hmm. Is it one you can live with? Yeah, actually the price that they offered us was, um, we just recently had it appraised and it... um, and it's pretty spot on. So I was actually surprised. I thought that it would be way under. Then I think that's fine. If it gets you the peace of mind that you're looking for, mm-hmm. and but, you know that six weeks out, if it's not sold in the open market, you're you're out of that house. Why not? So they are saying that they charge you 6%. Um, does that seem like a fair price? So what they would do, you pay 6% commission if they find a buyer, you discount the price 6% if they're the buyer. Okay. Is that right? No, it just said 6%, but that included the buyer and the seller. So if they buy it outright, I don't know if they discount that or not. Well, normally they would would have some discount that would be the equivalent of a commission Mm -hmm. from the price they are offering you. And I have no problem with that. Okay. Okay. So you got to be the right person, though. You got to be the person who you need to be done with it, and you know that you'll be out of the house at that point. And if they, the price they offer you is reasonable, why not have that certainty? Okay. Sounds good then. I and I hope you. I don't hear back from you at some point. Hey, it's <laughs> six weeks come and gone, and they didn't honor the deal. I hope you don't, too. (laughs) So I will tell you that that's never happened before. Oh, okay. Well, good. No one's ever called me and said that. I'm not going to say that they haven't ever (laughs) done that to somebody with one of these offers from one of these companies, but nobody's ever given me that feedback. The thing that's unusual, what you said, Cheryl, 
Is it the purchase price they're offering you? Is their fallback price is, in your words, spot on? And that's not what I've usually heard from people. Usually I've heard that the backstop price that they offer is a price that the person calling me feels is below market. But in your case, you've got nothing to lose if the price they're offering is at market. Joel, you and I should test this ourselves. Yeah, I'm if, down. Then we'd have it. to sell our houses. Right? Oh, yeah, I don't want to do that yet. Yeah, Grayson is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Grayson. How you doing? How's it going, Mr. Howard? Oh, great, but please call me Clark. All right, Clark. Um, I have a question for you. I am in high school, uh, about to go to college, and I just wanted to know what I should invest in, because I'm thinking about investing about $100 a month. And really? I want to start investing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so most people going to college are only spending money. How are you in a position you're going to be able to invest? Are you working while you're going to school? Uh, yes, sir. I have a part-time job right now, and when in, when I'm in college, I uh, hope to get into another part-time job. Wow. So for yes, you, so you're like 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there? Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. We're not related, are we? <laughs> No, sir. I don't think so. Because I started my first IRA when I was 19 years old. Because I was working while I was in school. And so the beauty is that when you put money aside as a late teen or in your 20s, the money has a chance to grow and grow and grow because time is your friend, your ally. And because you're working, there's something called a Roth IRA, which would be my favorite place for you to look at stashing your $100 a month. Have you ever heard of a Roth? Do you know what that is? I'm not sure what the difference is between a Roth IRA and a regular IRA. So at your age, you don't want to do a regular IRA because you're not going to be in a high tax bracket. A Roth IRA works backwards from a regular IRA. A regular IRA, you get a current benefit on your taxes, but everything that the money would accumulate over the decades for the next, gosh, 40 years would grow tax-free, but then every penny you'd end up with would be taxed. With a Roth, it's the opposite. You get no current tax benefit, but everything that that money grows to be over the years becomes yours tax-free. So that's why, particularly when you're young, Doing the Roth is a vastly superior option. Yes, sir. And at at Clark.com, I have information, Grayson, on choices I'd like you to look at to put that Roth money in. You can put in up to what you earn in a year, but never more than $5,500. So your $100 a month, as long as you're earning more than that, you're good to go to do the Roth, and once you have $1,000, it's really easy for you to open one of the really great Roth IRA investment choices. Okay. So, Grayson, if you go to my investment guide at Clark.com, I'll take you through how to set up the Roth and then what you should invest in in that Roth 
you know, where you could do the Roth and then based on where you go, what to invest in. And you're off to a great head start. And I think that's really exciting. Yes, sir. I want to start early just, you know, so I can have the money for retirement. Well, you start as early as you're starting. You may be able to retire significantly earlier than most people are going to be able to do so. Good for you. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm Rob Cisternino, the aptly named Rob Has a Podcast, where we're creating fun, smart conversation around reality TV games like Survivor. And this March, Survivor Game Changers is finally here. Join me weekdays for episode recaps, player interviews, and of course, your feedback. So if you're ready for a game change in your own Survivor experience, download Rob Has a Podcast at podcastone.com on the Podcast One app or subscribe on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.